0: In today's episode, I talk about the issues related to and recent events related to pride. I am so excited. I found my new dream job. I found out, listen to this, I found out that there are photographers who specialize in photographing mirrors And I have to say, I can see myself doing it. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 97. We're almost at 100. Technically, I think we're at 99 because we had a couple, you know, double numbered episodes, but... Uh, officially, episode 97. Thank you for joining us. If you do not yet already do so, please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it wherever you're subscribing. And the highest compliment you can pay, as always, is to share this uh, podcast with a friend, especially on social media. Make sure you tag us at Man of Food for Thought and visit our website, manafoodforthought.com all spelled out, so you can see all of our backlog of podcast episodes, all of our weekly psalm reflections, as well as some old vlogs and other content, where you can also become a financial patron uh, of this podcast on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. So all that being said, let's get into our peak, pit, and plug for this episode. Peak. Well, my peak of these past couple weeks is um, I'm recording this just after Memorial Day weekend, and we had such a beautiful full Memorial Day weekend. Um, we had people over for dinner almost every night. We got to entertain and you know we love kind of being um practicing hospitality in that way and so it 's just really beautiful and awesome to have, you know, our life and our schedule and our our home full again. And so, um that's just really beautiful. And this coming week, uh, which is why I'm recording this podcast early, I'm going to the Catholic Youth Ministry Convention that Life Teen does every year in Scottsdale, Arizona. Last year it was digital, wasn't the same. I've gone, I think every year pretty much for the past 15 years. I've had I had my conversion at this conference in 2006, and so It is near and dear to my heart, and I get to see a lot of my extended Catholic family, and so I'm so, so excited. So, as you're hearing this, pray for us. Even though it will have already happened, prayer um, is timeless because God is timeless. So, just retroactively pray for us, and it will be blessed. Um, I'm also going on vacation for like a whole month in July, so I'm super stoked about that. So, there's a lot of peaks um, this, this episode. Pit is that I'm finding slowing down is so hard. I mean, we've been go, 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 go. I've been go, 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 go all through this pandemic, doing the equivalent of three full-time jobs. I didn't have a day off for over nine months and, you know, putting in 60, 70, 80 hours a week. uh, I worked in the delivery room when our son was born. Like that was how much was going on because of the madness of adapting to an online set of ministry with less staff and less resources. Crazy. Um, Granted, a lot of that I probably put on myself, but... Um, slowing down is just really hard. I find when I am in a moment of silence or stillness that I'm just, I get antsy about what do I need to do next? Or my mind gets full and it's hard to really be in quiet contemplative prayer. So I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Let me know. I'd love to hear, um, any tips you have about that too. So that's my pit, my plug is that I just, over the past couple of weeks, read Isaac Asimov's Foundations Trilogy. It's a really great sci-fi trilogy, nothing to do with Jesus, although everything I read, I feel like there are themes that can be directly related to faith. In fact, I was thinking about, in rebranding um, this podcast at some point, um, starting a podcast called um, That Book About Jesus, and you know talking about the Bible and Scripture, but also talking about books, because I read a lot, and how they relate to Christianity and themes of scripture, um, taking any book, you know, Harry Potter, you know, or any popular book, any novel, any work and, um, classic or modern and relating it to, to those things. So I don't know, let me know what you think about that idea. Cause I think that'd be pretty cool. But anyways, I highly recommend that trilogy. If you've never read it, shout out to Tony DiBernardo and Jenna DiBernardo, my former co um, and current still best friend, um, for giving me those, I think for Christmas or my birthday one year, I finally got around to reading them and love them. So anyways, um, another plug actually, which relates and transitions into the topic of this podcast is that, uh, we do Psalm reflections, um, on this podcast, um, on the, not on the actual podcast, but every week on Tuesday on our website and our Instagram page is a reflection on the Psalm for that upcoming Sunday. So, if you like to pray through the readings for that upcoming Sunday, um, you can do that. I also, independently from this podcast, do a weekly Bible study on YouTube through my parish, which is on the Gospel. Um, but anyway, if you really want to plug into that Psalm, you can look um, at our website or our Instagram every Tuesday. But I was—I I read the readings every day, and so. Um, I was reading the daily psalm for Tuesday, not the upcoming Sunday one. And it was um, this past Tuesday, June 1st. And there was a line in it that just really struck me. It was this line, For he shall never be shaken. The righteous shall be remembered forever. He shall not fear an ill report. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And especially that last, the, the first part, for he shall never be shaken. And the last line, He shall not fear an ill report. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And it just really struck me because it just made me think of pride. And I really want to talk about pride in a couple different facets in this episode. And the first just being like, I think the pride that we all struggle with. Um, And that is, you know, putting ourselves in place of God. You know, um, I feel like This psalm is like the opposite of me. Like, I feel like I've been shaken very often, especially in this past year, and that I very much fear an ill report that my heart is not steadfast trusting in the Lord because I'm trying to trust only in myself and what I can control, what I can learn, what I can get a sense of, what I have a clear understanding of. Um, and it creates this very difficult, like, um, almost paranoia or, like, catastrophe sort of thinking. Like, are you like me? Are you always waiting for the bad news to drop? It it makes me distrustful of good things or always expecting or preparing for the worst and never able to equally hope for or enjoy the good things when they come, to be present and just to slow down and really receive what is happening, good or bad. You know, it just and it just reminded me of pride and this phrase that I think I've shared many times before, but this question that I find very convicting, is God your first choice or your last resort? Is God your first choice or your last resort? When do you turn to him? Do you turn to him only when you think the bad things are dropping or when they have dropped? Or when you receive something, be it good or be it bad, do you praise him? Now, it reminds me of, I believe it's in the end of Matthew's gospel, um, where it talks about at the Great Commission um, the eleven disciples go and meet Jesus in um, in Galilee. This may be Mark's account, but it says um, they worshiped but they doubted. And I feel like in my doubt, my number one reaction very rarely is, well, I'm really doubt doubtful and downtrodden, but I'm just gonna worship. you know usually it's like, oh, I'm very doubtful, so let me try and figure this out. Let me try and fix this or get more information about the problem at hand and I can save myself. I can be my own messiah out of the situation. Now, I don't think that consciously, but that's really what that action and that habit and that mentality says is that I've got this. I can do this on my own. I can fix this. And so when you put yourself in that position, like I do often, you always are kind of looking for the next thing so you can get ahead of it. You know, but the problem with that is, is we can't fix every problem. You know, we're fallible. We are imperfect. There are things that come down the pipeline that are a mystery, that we don't know why they happened. We don't know how to fix them. We can't fix them. And that's why we need God and why he needs to be our first choice, not our last resort. And so when do you turn to God? Do you turn to him in the good? Or do you always turn to him when you need something, when it's hopeless, when it's bad? It's not that he doesn't, you know, enjoy that we turn to him. It's not that he rejects us. But I mean, just imagine like if we did that in any other relationship or any other friendship or if people did that to us, it would be exhausting. You know, like if someone only came to you when they were absolutely destitute and needed something from you. We would probably want to avoid that person. You know, every time we saw their name pop up on our phone when they were calling, like, here we go, another tragedy. Do I have time for this? Like, I don't know if I can sit here and listen to what this person's problem is this time, you know? But we do that to God all the time. You know, we come to him when it's like we're in dire straits. And yet we always forget to go to him when things are good. You know, to have gratitude. I'm always advocating for people to keep a gratitude journal. And just think of three things specific to that day. Three moments, three actual things that happened that day, not general things like, oh, I'm grateful for my family. But like, no, what about what happened that day that you're grateful for? And write them down and in a a quiet moment of prayerful praise, thank God for them. I think our pride gets in the way. We think we know best and so we commit the sin of idolatry of the self. We prioritize our own will, our own plans, and our own desires over the need to seek the will of God, over the need to turn to him in the good and in the bad. In the good, what do we do? We give ourselves credit or we just bask in the glory of it. We just want to live life and enjoy it and, you know, um, maybe even brag to others uh, consciously out loud or unconsciously um, or more subtly on social media. Look at the highlight reel of my life. And then when things are bad, we hide that from other people. We try to fix it ourselves. We bottle it up. We're not vulnerable. We don't share it. And we try and save ourselves. That's pride. In fact, it says this in the Catechism about original sin in chapter, um, in paragraph 398. It says, In that sin, man preferred himself to God and by that very act scorned him. Hear that again. Man preferred himself to God. And by that very act scorned him. It continues. He chose himself over and against God, against the requirements of his creaturely status, and therefore against his own good. Created in a state of holiness, man was destined to be fully divinized by God in glory. Seduced by the devil, he wanted to be like God, but without God, before God, and not in accordance with God. I think that is something that we need to be very conscious of when it comes to pride. When it comes to when we go to God, why we go to God, how often we go to God in our daily life. Who do you trust more, yourself or God? If you're honest, you know, if you have a problem, if you have something that comes, you know, unexpectedly in life, you lose your job, you lose a loved one. Um, you're in a, you know, a financial uh, state that you need to fix. If you have a problem suddenly at work that you don't know how to solve, do you immediately bring it to prayer? I think we've all become expert Googlers, right? You know, even when it comes to medical things, like, do we go to the doctor or do we go to WebMD so we can figure it out and diagnose ourselves, right? Like It's the same thing with everything that's been going on in this pandemic. Do we trust the epidemiologists who've studied for years and years and years about what they think? Or do we go right to CNN or Fox news or these media outlets who don't know anything about that and are just regurgitating things based on what's going to be the most marketable news story and their understanding of something that it takes years and several degrees to understand adequately. And that's just one particular issue, you know, like, so many ways that we do this on a daily basis. And so I think <clears throat> first and foremost, talking about pride, that Psalm really struck me and just made me recognize like, I'm so often shaken because I'm not trusting in the Lord. I'm so often shaken because I trust myself first or more than I trust in the Lord. And the only way that I will reach that kind of unshakable confidence and joy in life is If my trust is steadfast in the Lord and knowing that He's in control, He's got this figured out. I cannot do His job for Him. I can't out disciple Jesus. I can't out do God. I can't out fix what God can fix. I can't out heal. I can't out guide. I can't out discern whatever the word is. I can't outdo Him. You cannot outdo Him. So stop trying. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried every possible way that I can think of to be my own Messiah, to save myself, to fix every problem, to be the only person that I need. And time and time again, the Lord teaches me my need for others, my need to be vulnerable, my need for family and community, and especially most of all, and first of all, my need for him. So get out of your own way. If there's something going on in your life, that's causing you a lot of anxiety, causing you a lot of distress, something that you can't really get a grip on or find a way to fix or feel like you can handle adequately, good, that's a reminder that you're not God and you shouldn't be able to handle everything on your own. Turn to him. Turn to him and begin to just bring it to prayer and trust in him. Secondly, I want to change gears here because this is part of just kind of what's going on in recent events um, associated with the word pride is that June is pride month. Um, Gay Pride Month, LGBTQ, LGBTQ, I always mess up that acronym, LGBTQ plus um, Awareness and you know Rights Advocacy Month and all of that. And um, I've just seen a lot of things from Catholic outlets that I think are problematic. Okay, so I want to say first and foremost, I stand with church teaching on what how God created us, that God created us male and female for relationship with one another. And that that needs to be treated with respect and reverence. It needs to be done in a certain way. And that sinful heterosexual acts should be viewed the same way as sinful homosexual acts. Like there's things outside of God's plan for our bodies that are not good. that are not good for us and that are affronting or sinful to our dignity. However, there is just such a bad culture within Catholicism about how we treat the issue of being gay or lesbian or you know even calling it an issue and like recognize not recognizing that it's an identity that people carry with them because it carries a history and a culture and an identity of being closeted and then finally acknowledging who they are and how they most feel authentically themselves and There's a way in which I think the church has promulgated this idea that, like, you're not going to be loved or welcome until X, until you set aside this identity or until this isn't, you know, who you are anymore. And I just think that is so problematic, you know. Not that I think we should be accepting of all sin and just be like, okay, just come on and keep doing what you're doing. But like we have to recognize things happen in stages and we have to really ask ourselves, like, what is what is the will of God? The will of God, I think, and I hope you agree, is that all people would be saved through Jesus Christ. All people. All people of all identities, of all backgrounds, of all sexual orientations. And is that what we lead with? Is the first thing that people who identify as LGBTQ plus are told by the church or feel from the church is that they are God's beloved and that they are welcome here, that they're not mistakes, but they're loved by God as they are right now without making these unqualified or qualified or ignorant judgments based on what sins we think they must be committing or what lifestyle we think they must be living and how that qualifies or disqualifies them from being part of God's family. No, like they're, they're meant to be in heaven with us. We're all meant to be in heaven together. And if we are ministering or treating that issue, that identity as different than any other issue on the table, when it comes to God's plan and doctrine and sin and all of that, then we're exercising our own pride. We're exercising our own pride. We're stepping into the judgment seat of God and saying, I think I have all the information. I think I know what's best. And we're circumventing the main mission of the church, which is to make disciples so that all people will know the good news of Jesus Christ and respond to that gift of salvation. That is always first and foremost. Pride is always contrary to the love of God. That is what St. Thomas Aquinas says in Summa Theologica. It says, pride is always contrary to the love of God. inasmuch as much as the proud man does not subject himself to the divine rule, sometimes it is also contrary to the love of our neighbor When, namely, a man who also sets himself inordinately above his neighbor. And this again is a transgression of the divine rule, which has established order among men so that one ought to be subject to another. I'm saying essentially here that pride not only can get in the way of the love of God and our relationship with Him, as I was talking about before, but it can also be contrary to the love of neighbor because we put ourselves above other people. We forget that we are also sinners. You know, I don't, I don't like the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin, because some people don't understand the nature of sin and don't see certain things as sinful. And so when we say hate the sin to something that other people consider an identity, then what we're saying is you're hated. If you are this, you are hated. I just want it to be love the sinner. Can we just do that? Can we just love the sinner? We don't have to love the sin, but just love the sinner. So I I don't, I just, if you're a gay Catholic, if you're a lesbian Catholic, a queer Catholic, a trans Catholic, and you're listening to this, or you know someone who needs to hear these words and you can share this podcast episode with them, I want you to know that you are God's beloved. I want to party with you in heaven and I want you to help me get there and I want to help you get there and I want us to be there together and I'm sorry for the ways that you have been treated inordinately or disproportionately or your lifestyle and your identity has been treated as a sin even if you're not committing a sin simply because you identify the way that you do or you are the way that you are and i'm sorry for the ways that you have not felt welcome that you felt ostracized that you felt there's no place for you here because there should be you are god's beloved you belong here in the church what bothers me is we don't treat any other action this way we don't treat any other thing that the church calls a sin this way You know, if someone's divorced, if they are committing the habitual sin of masturbation or pornography or contraception or premarital sex, we don't like say, oh, okay, hold on a second. Like we can't we can't welcome that person and glorify what they're doing. You know, we have to make sure they know that this is wrong. They have to change their ways. Like there are plenty of people who are pretending to live fully Faithful lives in the church in ministries who are hopelessly addicted to pornography or are taking contraception and having premarital sex, but because it's part of like the heteronormative way of sinning that they're not looked the same as someone they're actually looked as better than. Someone who identifies as gay or lesbian who may not even be in an actively sinful or sexual relationship. Who's actually trying to pursue the will of God or live a chaste life. There's like this disparity that you have to set aside this identity before you're welcome. And that is so bonkers and so wrong and so anti-gospel. This idea that you, don't, you shouldn't label yourself that because your only label is the, is the child of God. I used to say stuff like that. You can probably find old podcast episodes where I said stuff like that, but I'm learning more and more about just the culture that that those terms and those identities carry, the history, The, the fact that it shows like I felt wrong the way that I was and me identifying this way is me embracing who I am and who I believe God created me to be, even though there's tension and difficulty with that. And yeah, even though there may be tension and difficulty with what the church teaches in that identity, there's still able to acknowledge a fuller picture of who they are by calling themselves that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think we need to be conscious of ministering more specifically, more intentionally and more pastorally to people and not just saying, Oh, you know, pride month, we have to watch out for that. But like, no, like if you're a gay Catholic, be proud that you're a gay Catholic, be proud that this is something that you've acknowledged, that you've come to terms with, that you identify as, and that you are experiencing and exploring the tension um, and, and trying to create a home for yourself in navigating what it means to be a sinner like all the rest of us and feeling pulled in different directions, feeling that you still want to be in heaven, that you still are a child of God, that you still recognize your home is in the Catholic Church, your home is with Jesus Christ, your home is in heaven. And there's also this other part of you, and that establishes a full picture of who you are. I don't think that we are compromising or saying that we tacitly approve of things, you know, by not condemning, you know, all identities and actions of pride and celebrating homosexuality and all of these things. Like, no, we celebrate people and loving people and who people are as children of God and created in the image and likeness of God with dignity. And so I think we just we need to be better about being with people and not talking at people. It reminds me of the verse from Romans chapter 12, verse 16, have the same regard for one another. Do not be haughty or proud, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And that associate with the lowly, that phrase. Now I'm not saying that people who identify as LGBTQ plus are lowly in, in like a value sense, but I think, if you look at like who the religiously appropriate people to hang out with are, Jesus hung out with the lowly in that regard. He didn't hang out with the Pharisees and the people who were high up or the people who were the churchy people. He hung out with the people you weren't supposed to to hang out with, the people who the Pharisees were saying, oh, you shouldn't be identifying as that, or you are not one of us because of X. You know, if Jesus came today, where would he be ministering? He would not show up at your conferences or your church events or your church services unless it were to say, you hypocrites, you brood of vipers. Like you're doing this, but you should be doing this because that's what he did at the time. He didn't, he said, I did not come to change one jot or tittle of the law. I came to fulfill it. This was law that was already in place that Jesus deepens and awakens And establishes within a new covenant context of Catholicism, but if he came today, I guarantee you he would be on the streets. He would be ministering at drag shows and in gay bars and in seedy backwater, you know, alleys and places where you know the unexpected people would be and where not a lot of religious people were seen or welcome or even felt comfortable going, because those people understand what Jesus understands. And that's salvation is not for the perfect. In fact, the perfect don't need it. And the perfect don't exist, by the way. Salvation is for the messy, the broken, the sinful. And that is all of us. That is all of us. Some of us just from our own pride have bought into the lie that we don't fall in that category, that we've got it together whereas people especially in the lgbtq plus community and minority communities they've been oppressed they've been hidden they've been called things and cast out for so long that it's so much easier for them to relate to the fact that like yeah i'm broken i'm am I'm, I'm i'm an outcast i'm i can see myself being a sinner because i've been told that my whole life which is why i think jesus ministered to the lowly so successfully because they were ready to receive what he had to say Whereas with the rest of us, we'd be too caught up in like, well, no, I go to church all the time. I do this. You know, I tell people, I teach people what the church teaches. And I say the hard things that they need to hear. Yeah, what about doing the ministry of Jesus? Not doctrine spouting. But sharing the good news. I don't think many people leave conversations especially about this issue in particular with Catholics, thinking that it was good news. Very rarely, if ever. So this may be unpopular. You may you may have a problem with the way I said things and maybe I didn't articulate this well or use the right language or whatever. I'm just trying to say what's on my heart and what I think we desperately need to be aware of. Not only with ministry to the LGBTQ plus community and helping them know they're beloved and welcome. But so many other groups of people who don't feel adequately represented or uh, ministered to in a Catholic context or in just the normal way we view religion and Christianity as a culture. And I think we just need to be cognizant of that, that not everybody does it the same way that not everyone feels as welcome as you do. And that we are not as, um, as well off As we think we may be spiritually, that we need to really admit our fault and that there are many other people out there who do not feel welcome. And some of it might be because of us, that we maybe have some need to ask for forgiveness from people and a need to be present to people and not to feel the need to convert them on the spot or help them to understand church teaching on the spot when they don't even see the good news as good news because it's never been presented to them in a way where they feel it can apply to them. Or where they have a home at the church, where they belong. Anyway, wanted to say all that because that's all in the uh, the the news these days, and I hope it's benefit to you. Um, I hope if you know you're listening and you um, you know deeply care for people in that community, or you identify as a member of that community, that you feel loved and you know that you're God's beloved and that you belong in heaven. And that, um, I think you'll probably have an easier way of getting there than me because, um, yeah, Jesus came to minister, saw people who were not necessarily the traditionally religious as the best, um, the best candidates for being his chosen people, um, his chosen disciples and apostles and, He wouldn't have come, you know, looking on church staffs, you know, for me. He maybe would have found a a good Judas Iscariot. So I have to be very careful about being a modern Pharisee. If you're in ministry, you have to be very careful about being a modern Pharisee. Let's really do the ministry of Jesus. Look at the mission, the work that he did, and make sure the words that we say, how we present church teaching, still being faithful to what God has called us to, but how we do it in a way that makes everyone know, that the good news applies to them, that they're welcome, they're loved, they're valued, they're God's beloved. I don't have a saint for you this episode, and I don't know if I'm going to continue doing the saints because um, sometimes I feel like I'm just kind of forcing that on the episode, but um, I do want to offer you some kind of source or person or saint or some kind of um, final thing that you can look into um, to help you with this type of ministry or context. And I think the, one of the single best theologians, modern theologians of our time, um, who speaks in such a way that speaks to my heart and really this, this kind of pastoral type of ministry that we need, ministering to people as God's beloved, is Henry Nowen. And if you've never read anything by Henry Nowen, um, I would highly encourage you to do that. Um, the Return of the Prodigal Son is one of his most famous works um, on this type of topic, The The Life of the Beloved. Um, is um, is a great book. I'm reading right now a book by Henry Nowen called Discernment, which has um, a lot of these types of, of themes and ideas in it. So anything you can pick up by him is a win, in my opinion. So Henry Nowen, H-E-N-R-I-N-O-U-W-E-N. Um, he was a, a Catholic priest. He passed away in 1996, very recent, um, a contemporary and um, um, beloved follower of a lot of the theology, also of Thomas Merton, Um, and yeah, I think, um, someone we can learn a lot from when it comes to these type of pastoral situations and real face-to-face person-to-person pastoral ministry. So anyway, go forth, do not be proud, be humble, um, but be proud of who you were created to be in the image and likeness of God. Our pride should rest in him because as that Psalm said, Psalm 112, for we shall never be shaken. The righteous shall be remembered forever forever. We shall not fear an ill report because our hearts are steadfast, trusting, not in ourselves, but in the Lord. That is all I have for you. Have a blessed and wonderful uh, week until I see you again. Pray for me and all those going to the Life Team Conference. I'm sure I'll have lots to share with you after that. Um, But until next time, I am praying for you. Please pray for me and I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.